Hi, and welcome to Fixing the Future, IEEE Spectrum's podcast series on the technologies that can set us on the right path towards sustainability, meaningful work, and a healthy economy for all. Fixing the Future is sponsored by ComSol, makers of ComSol Multiphysics Simulation Software. I'm Stephen Cherry. Hey, Penny, how was work? Great. I hope I'm a waitress at the Cheesecake Factory for my whole life. (laughs) Was that sarcasm? No. Was that sarcasm? Yes. Was that sarcasm? Stop it! That's Leonard, Penny, and Sheldon from Season 2 of The Big Bang Theory. Fans of the show know there's some question of whether Sheldon understands sarcasm. In some episodes he does, and in others he's just learning it. But there's no question that computers don't understand sarcasm, or didn't until some researchers at the University of Central Florida started them on a path to learning it. Software engineers have been working on various flavors of sentiment analysis for quite some time. Back in 2005, I wrote an article in Spectrum about call centers automatically scanning conversations for anger, either by the caller or the service operator, one of the early use cases behind messages like, this call may be monitored for quality assurance purposes. Since then, software has been getting better and better at detecting joy, fear, sadness, confidence, and now, finally, sarcasm. My guest today, Ramya Akula, is a PhD student and a graduate research assistant at the University of Central Florida's Complex Adaptive Systems Lab. She has at least 11 publications to her name, including the most recent, Interpretable Multi-Head Self-Attention Architecture for Sarcasm Detection in Social Media, published in March in the journal Entropy with her advisor, Ivan Garibay. Ramya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Ramya, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how sentiment analysis works for things like anger and sadness and joy, and then what's different and harder about sarcasm. So in general, understanding the sentiment behind people's emotions, like a variety of emotions, it's always been hard. Actually, to some extent, when you are in a face-to-face conversations, probably with all the facial cues and the bodily uh, gestures, it helps the conversation. But when we do not know who is sitting behind the computer or the mobile phone, so it's always hard. That applies for all kinds of uh, sentiments. So that includes anger, emotion, humor, and also the sarcasm as well. So th- that's the initial point of this research. And what makes sarcasm harder than some of the others? So sometimes the sarcasm can be humor, but also it hurts people really bad. And also how people interpret it because of people coming from different cultures, different backgrounds. In some cultures, something might be okay, but in other, it is not. Taking these different cultures, backgrounds, and also the uh, colloquialism and the slang people use, these are the some of the challenges uh, that we face in like everyday conversations, uh, especially with the sarcasm detection. Computers have been writing news and sports stories for some time now, taking a bunch of facts and turning them into simple narratives. Professional writers haven't been particularly worried by this development, though, because the thinking is that computers have a long way to go, which maybe never, when it comes to nuanced, subtle, creative forms of writing. What writers are mainly depending on to save their jobs and maybe their souls is irony, satire, humor, 
what they're depending on in a word is subtext. Are you trying to teach computers to understand subtext? To be precise, these algorithms, the, one of the toughest jobs for the algorithms is that understanding the context, which we, we humans are really good at. So any human can understand the context and then write the content based on the context. But for the algorithms, it's always hard because when you have such a long sentences, so having the, you know, this uh, semantic similarity or some kind of a relationship between the words in, in these long sentences, understanding the context and then coming up with the next sentence or coming up with the, some kind of a sentiment like a humor or the irony or uh, these kind of emotions to the text, that adds another level of complexity. Uh, yes, in the machine learning community, they started, uh, like most uh, researchers, they started attacking this problem by looking at uh, different representations. So by taking the sentence as it is and then chunking it down into parts like uh, phrases and then having different representations for each phrase. So in order to understand the context and then put all these contexts together and then generate a meaningful sentence uh, next. But yeah, so it's still in a, I feel like it's still in a very initial phase we, and we have a long way to go. You started with social media posts. This seems like in some ways an easier problem and in some ways a harder problem than say audio from a call center. Uh, you don't have tone and intonation, which I think in a real conversation are often clues in you know, what we might call human-to-human -human sarcasm detection. Yes. So in a speech recognition, that's one uh, advantage is that we look at the connotation or the how the voice modulates. And then those kind of the signals will help better understand it. But when we look at the text, like a real text from all the articles or the online conversations that we see in a day-to-day -day basis. So there is not really any stress or any kind of a connotation that you could relate to. So that's what it makes a little harder for any algorithm to see. If I understand something in your paper, neuropsychologists and linguists have apparently worked on sarcasm, uh, but often through identifying sarcastic keywords and punctuation and also something called sentimental shifts. Uh, what are these and did you use them too? These neurolinguists uh, or the psychologists, they, uh, so the data that they get is mainly from the real humans and the real conversations. It's actually also when we are when they are looking at the text, then uh, text written by real humans, then it's actually the real humans who are understanding the sense of the text, right? So we humans, as I said earlier, so we are good at understanding the context just by reading it or just by talking in any form. We are good at understanding the context. So in our case, because we have no human involved in any of the data analysis part. So it's all the pre-processing and everything is done automatically. It's the algorithm that is doing it. So we definitely use some of the cues. And also for the machine learning part, we have the labeled data. So which is like given a sentence, uh, it is labeled whether the sentence is, has some sarcasm or no sarcasm. That data is split into training and test. Uh, so we use this annotated data to train our algorithm and then test it on unseen annotated data. In our case, because the data is already labeled, so we use those labels. And also in our 
case we use the weights to understand uh, what are the cues so instead of real human that is looking at the cues in the sentence our algorithm looks at the weights that gives us the cues for the words I mean, we could say a little bit more about this. Uh, there's, there's a lot of AI here, I gather, and it involves pre-trained language models that help you break down a sentence into something you call word embeddings. Uh, what are they and, and how do these models work? So basically, a computer understands everything in terms of numbers, right? So we have to convert the words into numbers for the algorithm to understand. So that's the input part. So what this embedding does is basically the conversion of the real world into uh, vectors or numbers. Uh, in our case, what we've used is multiple embeddings. So there are like many embeddings out there. So starting from uh, word to vector to the very latest GPT uh, that we are seeing every day that's generating a lot of tons of data out there. Yeah, so in our case, we use the BERT. BERT is one of the latest embedding technology that is out there. Uh, BERT stands for Bidirectional Encoder Representation from Transformer. I know it is mouthful, but it's basically what it does is that it uh, takes the words, individual words in a sentence, and it tries to relate connect each word with every other word, both on the left to right side and also from right to left side. The main reason for the bird to work that way is that it is trying to understand the positional encoding. So that's basically what comes next. Like for example, I need Apple for work. So in this context, does the user mean he needs a fruit apple for work or an apple gadget for work? So that depends purely on the context, right? So as I said, humans can understand the context, but for an algorithm to understand what comes, either the gadget or the fruit, it depends on the entire sentence or the conversation. So what Bird does is basically... It looks at these individual positional encodings and then tries to find the similarity, closest uh, similar word that comes next to it and then puts it together. So it works both in the uh, right to left and the left to right directions. So to better understand the semantic similarity. So similarly, we also have different embeddings like Elmo. We tried experimenting with different embedding types. So we have the BERT, Elmo and several other we added this part into our evaluation studies. So this is just the, the initial layer. So it's a type of conversion for converting the real world into numbers to feed it into the algorithm. I gather you have in mind that this could help Twitter and Facebook better spot trolls. Is the idea that it could help detect insincere speech of all kinds? Yes, it does. That's a short answer. But adapting algorithms is something, I mean, it's up to the corporates whether they want to do it or not, but that's the main idea to help curb the unhealthy conversations online. So that could be anything ranging from trolling, bullying, to all the way to misinformation propagation. So that's a wide spectrum. So yeah. Do you think it would help to work with audio in the way that call centers do? Uh, For one thing, it would turn the punctuation cues into tones and inflections that they represent. Yeah, uh, so the precise answer is yes, but then there there is another filter to it, though, or actually uh, adding an additional layer. So 
the first thing is the uh, analyzing the audio form right so in the audio form we also get the cues like as i said earlier uh, so we're based on the audio i mean the connotations or the expressions that gives us another set of um, you know helpful cues but after the conversation is again transcribed that is when our algorithm can help so yes definitely that our algorithm can help for using any kind of a speech synthesis or um, for any application in call center or any voice recorder stuff. Yes, uh, we will also add the speech part to it. Ramya, your bachelor's degree was earned in India and your master's in Germany before you came to the U.S. You speak five languages. Uh, Two of them are apparently Dravidian languages. I have two questions for you. Why the University of Central Florida and what's next? I did my master's in Technical University of Kaiserslautern in Germany, and my master thesis was mainly on the visualization of social networks, and this is back in uh, 2014. So that is when like, I, I got introduced to working on the social networks, and I was so fascinated to learn about how people adapt the changes that comes along their way, like you know, adapting the technology, how our life keeps changing. For example, before COVID and after COVID, how we've moved from face to face to completely virtual world. So these are some of the things. And so when I was doing my master thesis on social networks, I was so interested in the topic. And then I worked for a while again in the industry, but then again, I wanted to come back to academics to pursue it like getting to the research field actually to understand rather than like developing something out there in an industry for someone um i thought maybe i could do some research and try to understand and get the more knowledge about the field so when i was looking at different options one of the options was working with Dr. Bay because he had the darpa social sim project it was like about, I think, six and a half million dollars funded project. But the overall idea of the project is really fascinating. Uh, looking at the human simulations, like how humans behave on all these kinds of online social media uh, networks. So when I read about this project and about his uh, lab, so that was my main, I think, the traction point to join this lab and start my work. And so this project is also part of that. Going forward, I would want to work for a startup where I can learn because every day is like a learning process. We can learn like multiple things. Uh, it seems like a lot of this would be applicable to chatbots. Is that a possible direction? Chatbots, yes. Um, that's one uh, application in a question answering system, but there is a lot more to it. So instead of just the automated way of analyzing the question and answering stuff, it can be applied for multiple things, like not just the online conversations, but also this personal assistance. Yeah. So it applies for the personal assistant as well. When a computer beat the world champion at chess, it was impressive. And winning at Go was more impressive. And beating the champions at Jeopardy was impressive, at least until you realize it was mostly the computer knew Wikipedia better and faster than humans. But about four years ago, a computer at Carnegie Mellon University beat some top players at poker, which required to, in some sense, understand bluffing. That seems impressive in a whole different way from poker and go. And this development with sarcasm seems like a similar advance. 
the main advantage of having these algorithms is that uh, as i said so they are really good at understanding the different patterns right we as a human we are a, a limited in that sense how much ever pro we are in a certain task uh, so there is always a limitation to understanding a different patterns uh, and learning the patterns or in fact matching the patterns that is where we can take help of the algorithms like git uh, like our sarcasm detector or any other machine learning algorithms because they look at all possible combinations and also beauty of machine learning is that so the algorithm knows when it should stop learning or actually uh, the programmer who is looking at the training loss like when the training is like really dropping then that's when he would know that okay yeah it's uh, now it's starting to decay like for example is overfitting on the data so it, we have to stop the training so those are the kind of indications for a programmer to stop training but after the training then we can see how well these patterns are learned so all the previous achievements by different uh, machine learning algorithms very uh, precisely the reinforcement learning algorithms is that it could look at all different i mean the variety of combinations of winning chances yeah and then having all that data within the very less time and then learn from it it's like sort of most of these also had some kind of feedback uh, loop um, so from which it learns so sometimes it's the programmer Uh, that helps or the human in the loop that uh, helps the training and sometimes the machine learning train learns by itself yeah so um these algorithms help us better understand the patterns and we humans better understand the context well ramya there are two kinds of people in the world those who hate sarcasm and those who live by it uh, I, i sometimes think that no two people can have a friendship or a romance if they're on opposite sides of that line Uh, and i can't think of a more exciting and terrifying prospect than a robot that understands sarcasm e- exciting because maybe i can have a real conversation someday with siri and terrifying if it means software will soon be writing better fiction than me and not just sports reports to say nothing of the advance towards skynet thanks for this uh, completely trivial and unimportant work and uh, for joining us today <laughs> yeah it's my pleasure it was fun talking to you <laughs> We've been speaking with University of Central Florida PhD student Ramya Akula, whose work on detecting sarcasm, a significant advance in the field of sentiment analysis, was published recently in the journal Entropy. Fixing the Future is sponsored by Comsol, makers of mathematical modeling software and a longtime supporter of IEEE Spectrum as a way to connect and communicate with engineers. Fixing the Future is brought to you by IEEE Spectrum, the member magazine of the Institute of Electrical and Electronic Engineers, a professional organization dedicated to advancing technology for the benefit of humanity. This interview was recorded May 21, 2021 on Adobe Audition via Zoom and edited in Audacity. Our theme music is by Chad Crouch. You can subscribe to Radio Spectrum on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and wherever else you get your podcasts, or listen on the Spectrum website, which also contains transcripts of all our episodes. We welcome your feedback on the web or in social media. For fixing the future, I'm Stephen Sherry.